Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day, there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today we're going to talk about something that's just a little bit different but it actually pertains to everyone. So, you know, I hope everybody loves this program and pays attention. So please join me in welcoming Dr. Stowe Shoemaker to our program today. Welcome, Dr. Shoemaker. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And it's an honor and a pleasure to be here. And I'm looking forward to just chatting with you and helping your listeners be better at their professions. Perfect. I love it. Well, let me tell people a little bit about you and then we will jump into this. So Stu Showmaker, PhD, served as the Dean of the William F. Hurrah College of Hospitality at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, from 2013 to 2023. From 1996 to 2020, Dr. Shoemaker served as a member of the Executive Education Faculty at the School of Hotel Administration at Cornell University. His Harvard Business School case study on Hilton Honors has been used by organizations and schools around the world. He has served as an advisor to numerous hospitality service providers over the course of his career, including IGT, British Airways, Accor, Hilton, Landry's, and Hyatt. Dr. Stowe has published two marketing textbooks and his newest book, Hospitable Healthcare, Just What the Patient Ordered, introduces hospitality principles to the healthcare industry. So again, Dr. Shoemaker, welcome to the program. Well, great. It's great to be here and um, really excited. It sounds like I've done a lot, but when you get older, you just do a little bit every year. It looks like you have a lot. It does. It does. You know, we just keep building on those, but that's okay, right? Um, So, you know, I always love knowing how our guests got to where they are today. So tell us a little bit more about how you got to where you are at this point in your career. Well, so I've always been very curious about things. And I'd love when I was very little, I'd love cooking. And I would order, I would have dinner parties for my parents and their Mm -hmm. friends. My grandmother used to say, you should go into hospitality because you like to play. And so... You know, all during high school, I got a job like most high school kids working mm-hmm. in the cafeteria, mm-hmm. started in the dish room and then eventually became kind of like a help prepare the vegetables. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to college, I went to the University of Vermont. I didn't they didn't really have many hospitality programs back in the late 70s. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had Michigan State and, of course, they had Cornell. Right. But it was just more more expensive than I could afford. Mm-hmm. So I, st- I took a business degree. But I studied, I worked for the food service all through four years of college. I took a course in quantity food production and restaurant management. Ah. And the people who taught that class, he actually ran a summer resort. Ah. So I thought, wow, spend the summer in Vermont working Mm -hmm. in a summer resort, which I did for two years. And then he purchased the Middlebury Inn in Middlebury, Vermont. Mm -hmm. And I worked with him for eight years. And then I decided I really needed to learn more. So I... Really was always curious, why do people do the things they do? Mm-hmm. 
And so I went and took a master's degree to really study marketing mm-hmm. and to study marketing research at University of Massachusetts. And then I took a job. I moved to California mm-hmm. um, and took a job in consumer research where mm-hmm. our largest account was Taco Bell. Mm. So we took the for the listeners who remember or had the chicken soft taco, mm-hmm. we took that from product development to product launch. Ah, and we also so we did a lot of work with Jack in the Box, mm-hmm. Bob's Big Boy, mm-hmm. Carl's Jr., really in all product development mm-hmm. and consumer segmentation. So then I decided after five years I needed to learn more. And the thing about consulting was. You learn really cool stuff, mm-hmm. but then you can't share it with anybody mm-hmm. because it's proprietary. Right. Mm-hmm. Taco Bell doesn't want you to know how you how they got their tacos. <laughs> right. So I thought, okay, so I'm going to go back and do a PhD. So mm-hmm. I went and I studied at Cornell University. Mm-hmm. And I was very interested in, you know, we, we always talked about in hospitality that you always want to exceed customers' expectations. Right. And so I was very curious about, well, how are expectations formed? Mm-hmm. So I really my dissertation was in cognitive psychology, mm-hmm. looking at how people learn, mm-hmm. what we call scripts and schemas. Mm. And I have some articles on this. And, you know, at the end of the program, we'll put out my email address mm-hmm. and anybody's interested in some of this research I can share with you. Um, and so I did my PhD and then I took a job at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, where that was back. I started in 1995. Mm-hmm. And gambling, people, you know, we had casinos, but it's not what Vegas is today. Right, right. They were almost standalones at that point. They were standalone, and and 90% of the revenue was on gaming. Mm -hmm. And because of my consumer research background, I started doing a lot of research projects on Mm -hmm. gambling and casinos Mm -hmm. and, um, and basically... Consumer consumer behavior. Right. What was interesting, what, what I found was people, how do you create loyalty? Because what happened mm-hmm. every time a new casino would open, mm-hmm. everybody, everybody go, right? <laughs> and I said, okay, how do we figure out loyalty, mm-hmm. customer loyalty? Mm-hmm. And so I was very lucky and I met some folks at Hilton and Hyatt mm-hmm. and really started doing a lot of research in customer loyalty. What mm-hmm. are the components of what makes people loyal? Right. And do we see a financial component for that? Mm. So I did a lot of work at, and a lot of loyalty I found mm-hmm. was really, we could call it what I called the loyalty circle. Mm. It's the process mm-hmm. that everything that happens from the time the customer starts to think about doing business with you mm-hmm. to the time they leave. Right. It's how do we add value, mm-hmm. whether it's value recovery or added value, mm-hmm. and then how do we communicate? Mm-hmm. So that really became a fundamental part of my research. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, what happened was I found that revenue management started coming in. Mm-hmm. And we call, talk about now as demand management. Or mm-hmm. when you want to go to a concert that's popular, prices are high. Right. Or a pop concert that's not very popular, it's low. Mm-hmm. And, and what happened was marketing was doing everything and loyalty to love the customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, pricing people were everything to do to take advantage of the customer. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, how do we make that together? Right. I came up, well, I didn't come up with, but I read an article that really was the fundamentals of what's now known as behavioral economics. Mm. And so I was given a um, opportunity to speak at mm-hmm. an airline conference to say how to hotels price. And mm. okay. was, on retrospect, I look back and I had enough arrogance to say, 
I'm not here to talk about how hotels price because mm-hmm. we basically do what you do. Right. I'm here to tell you how airlines should price. And British Airways said, hey, you might have something there. Would you be willing to come to London? And you went, and go, um, golly gee, sure. <laughs> they go, we're not, you know, we're an airline. We have no money, but we'll mm-hmm. basically fly you over. And I was mm-hmm. like, absolutely. So that led to really doing a lot of research in pricing mm-hmm. and revenue management. The mm-hmm. whole British Airways pricing strategy mm-hmm. was based on my research. And at the same time, over the last 20 years, I was teaching in the executive education faculty mm-hmm. at Cornell University, working with all the major hotel companies around mm-hmm. the world, really focusing on loyalty, pricing, but mm-hmm. also this whole area of, of patient exp- uh, uh, customer experience. Mm-hmm. How do we create great experiences? Right. Going back using my loyalty circle. Mm-hmm. And so I've always been an academic, published a lot of articles, and then um, moved to Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. My wife had decided we'd been married 40 plus years, decided to go do a PhD. Mm-hmm. And so when I was in Houston, I met, because it's such a great hospital town, mm-hmm. I met some people in the healthcare industry right? and ended up having a joint appointment at MD Anderson Cancer mm-hmm. Center because they were really curious. They said, how do we improve the patient experience mm-hmm. in healthcare? Right. And so so I was like, absolutely. And of all the things I've done, I'm so proud of the work I did in healthcare because we really changed the way MD Anderson mm-hmm. treated their patients. Mm-hmm. Like my wife, Dr. Martha Shoemaker, um, w- when we did all these focus groups with patients, we said, what do you want to be called? Because her mm-hmm. PhD was in communications. Mm-hmm. Do you, are you patients? Are you customers? Are you guests? And what came loud and clear was, no, we are loved family members. Mm-hmm. Right. And so suddenly we said, okay, well, how do we take all my background in hospitality? Mm-hmm. How do we create, make people feel like loved family members? Mm-hmm. And, and that's how I ended up. And then really quickly, um, my, co- my co-author on my textbooks had had a big advertising agency for many years. Mm-hmm. He also a PhD from Cornell University. He sold his agency, and then he went and worked for Cancer Treatment Centers of America ah, for mm-hmm. ten years. Mm-hmm. And and so we we kept in touch, mm-hmm. and he said, "Hey, we should write a book." Mm-hmm. And this happened two years ago. He goes, but he goes, "Let's write a book." And I said, well, if we're going to write a book on bringing hospitality principles into healthcare, we need to really, we can't be just two guys with an opinion, right? We have to, it has to be based on research. Mm-hmm. Two, it can't be a book that is only geared for the self-payer. Mm-hmm. In other words, for the person who's not insurance. Right. The book has to be used by hospitals that take care of Medicare patients. Because mm-hmm. it's very easy to give great service to people who are paying a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But let's make sure we take care of Mm -hmm. everybody. Um, So we started on this journey, and the book was officially launched on um, September 5th. Here's a copy of it. For those of you who are listening, he's holding, he's being Vanna and and holding up the book. It's a great book. Mm -hmm. And it's available on Mm -hmm. um, Mm Amazon.com. But yeah, or you can just search for hospitality healthcare. Amazon or Barnes and Noble mm-hmm. under my name. And and so we wrote this book and mm-hmm. so far it's it's gotten a lot of good publicity. But more importantly, um, I went 
down and MD Anderson bought a hundred copies, which they distributed Ooh. to their executives. Mm -hmm. And I presented to their senior leadership. Mm -hmm. I've also gone to another hospital system in Houston mm -hmm. and working with their leadership mm -hmm. to help them understand really how do we bring hospitality principles mm -hmm. into healthcare. Right. And I can talk more about the book and some of the findings. Oh, yeah, that's, definitely. That's mm -hmm. how I came about it all. So long-winded mm -hmm. answer. You know, I'm an academic, so I can just talk. And right. Talk yes. It. You know, I, I love it. You know, and what I love about this subject is it's it is, as I said at the start, it pertains to everyone because as you know, from I have a marketing background. And so I know that retaining a client, a customer, a whatever we want to call them is a heck of a lot easier and less expensive than trying to get new ones. Um, yes. you know, and, and so the, the, you know, obviously hospitality does very well with their loyalty programs, whether it's hotels, whether it's restaurants. I was in a little standalone coffee shop today that has a loyalty card. Um, yeah. you know, and, and so as a business person, it's so important for you to consider this, you know, and, and, and again, I don't care what it is that you do. How are you making your customers, clients, friends, <laughs> whatever we're calling them, feel like they are loved family members. Um, and, and I want to add, you know, I want to make sure that we put in loved family members because there are some family members we don't want walking through our doors, right? <laughs> that is true. And I, Okay. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I think it's important for the listener who may not be in healthcare. Mm -hmm. The model that we'll talk about, although it's applied to healthcare, mm -hmm. We believe it can be really applied right. to any business. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. Um, it's really about taking, looking at our business through the eyes of mm -hmm. our customers, mm -hmm. how we make sure that they have a great, great experience. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and, and when I was reading through your book, I loved, you know, how you started it. It was cute because you have this gentleman who, you know, you have two scenarios for him. One is he has a colonoscopy. You know, and and so that's the healthcare part, and and how he really just wasn't treated all that well. Um, but then mm -hmm. you contrast that with he and his wife go on this fabulous vacation to Las Vegas, which you're obviously very familiar with. It's you know one of the the capitals of the world now in providing fabulous hospitality. I mean, you know, there are people that I know that go to Vegas and never spend a penny in the casinos. They're going for everything else now that, that Las Vegas has added. The shows, the, the sporting events, I mean, all of those other things. I mean, Vegas very clearly understood that they need to expand what they're doing. And they've done a, a fabulous job with that. But I love it in the book that you contrast that because it was a big contrast. Um, you know, and, and so give us just a brief recap because we do want people to buy the book. But you'll give us a little recap as to what those two scenarios were. Okay. Yeah, so essentially what we wanted to really show was that, as you mentioned, healthcare is very it's very driven by the results, mm -hmm. not by everything leading up to the right. results. And and but also hospitality is very much driven by the results. Mm -hmm. And and but we learned over time to figure out how do we take the guests from the time they begin to think about a vacation mm -hmm. all the way through. Right. And so what we did is is when you think about it, intuitively would you would say, yes, healthcare does not do as well as hospitality mm -hmm. in terms of customer satisfaction. Right. So what we wanted to do was to say, is this really true? Mm -hmm. So we went out and we surveyed 1,200 patients. 
people mm-hmm. across the U.S. who had been in the healthcare, mm-hmm. visited the, in the healthcare, we said, visited a hospital, mm-hmm. been to a doctor's office or a walk-in clinic, mm-hmm. had stayed in a hotel and visited a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And we, ident- we identified what were the kind of the 18 or 21 critical things mm-hmm. that are really drive that experience. Right. And then we compared healthcare versus hospitality on mm-hmm. those X number of attributes. But then we also went out and we talked to leading um, medical facilities like mm-hmm. obviously MD Anderson, mm-hmm. um, the Mayo Clinic, mm-hmm. the Cleveland Clinic, Geisinger Health. Mm-hmm. And then we talked to major hotel companies like Horse, Horse Schultz mm-hmm. with um, the founder of Ritz Carlton. Mm-hmm. We talked to Ed Mady, who was running Dorchester Collection, another high-end hotel. Mm-hmm. But we also talked to people at Hilton. Right. And then we said, okay, well, why are these two experiences so different? Mm-hmm. What can we learn from each other? Because mm-hmm. because healthcare does some things right. right. So we didn't want we didn't want the book to be like, oh, bashing healthcare. Yes. We want to say, what's the best that mm-hmm. these great organizations are doing? How do we merge them together? Mm-hmm. And and so that was the research we did. And we wanted to contrast the two experiences. And we say, how can we make the colonoscopy? It's never going to be like going to. Like it's not COVID. fun. We don't we don't say, hey, let's go do that today. <laughs> but we can make it so that the things that make Vegas great mm-hmm. can incorporate that into the colonoscopy. Right. And so in our research. We um, we kind of. um Basically, we we came up, we identified the, again these twenty one variables, mm-hmm. and I'll go through through what we found for each one because we mm-hmm. found kind of five major concepts. Mm-hmm. And then once we found these five major concepts, we said, okay, well, how do we take these concepts, these what we call hospitality deficits, mm-hmm. and how do we solve for those deficits? Right. And and that's when we we went back into our in-depth interviews, we went back into the survey data, mm-hmm. and we came up with a model, which is geared towards healthcare, mm-hmm. but we think it can be geared for everybody. Right. And I can share the, the deficits with you mm-hmm. in a second. Right. If you have questions. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, and... What I loved, you know, and, and as, as I was reading your book, you know, one of the things I thought of is, of course, hotels and, and restaurants that we mentioned have been doing this for years. And one of the things is because of competition. You know, they have to be very good at what they do, no matter what level they are, you know, budget, economy, luxury, you know, all of those things because of all the competition. And, you know, I don't know when we started urgent care clinics, things like that. I'm thinking 10-ish years ago, maybe, you know, and but until then, you really had no choice. Um, You went here, you went there, you went where your insurance told you to go, which they still, you know, to some degree do that. But hospitals weren't competing, really, with right. other hospitals. Doctors weren't really competing with other doctors. You you just kind of picked who you went to, and, and that was that. So they didn't, and, and I, I don't want to say they didn't care, but they, you know, it was, they didn't have to go maybe that extra mile to make right. sure that you went, oh, okay, this wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um but now, of course, there are competing hospitals. There are, you know, that are very close to each other. Uh, here in uh, where I live, in outside of Atlanta, 
there are two major outpatient treatment centers. I mean, like four and five story buildings that you know are, are very big. And they just do, they have doctor's offices and outpatient procedures that they can do in these two. They are competing healthcare providers and they are across the street from each other. Um, you know, and, and so in essence, it's like, okay, if I'm driving this way, I'm going to go to one. If I'm driving the other way, I'm going to the other one. And, and yeah. so, you know, that's now they have to figure out, no, we want you to pick us. Um, you know, we want you to come back. And there is, of course, that lovely word of mouth thing. You know, we want people, we want, you know, they want people to say, I really like this. It was, uh, you know, I, or maybe they're not going to say, I really like this. I mean, you know, depending on what they're doing, but they might say, you know, I was treated well. It was not hospital-like, you know, yep. all of these various things, because then when somebody else is making that decision, they're going to go, oh, okay. Um, and you mentioned that in your book that, you know, one of the things that hospitality for many, many years has had to deal with are the online reviews, TripAdvisor, Yelp, all of those things. And how many times we look at those before we decide where we're going. That really doesn't exist to, uh, you know, there's, there's limited but that's really not a huge thing that, that, you know, you don't find really doctors, certainly not on TripAdvisor or, you know, things like that. And, and, and we call this in the book information everywhere. Right. And, and really the, the key thing for the listeners is, is the reason online reviews and all of that came about mm-hmm. is really the differences between a service mm-hmm. and a good. Right. And you think about when you buy a car, you go mm-hmm. kick the tires, you take mm-hmm. it for a test drive. Right. In hospitality or in, in medical and services, mm-hmm. It's very intangible. You can't right. touch or feel it. Right. It's not you like you can go it. in and say, take out my appendix. And if I don't like it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's intangible. We have simultaneous production and mm-hmm. consumption. There's a lot of heterogeneity. One day the person can be really nice and next day mm-hmm. we can't. So, so we look for online reviews. We look for mm-hmm. word of mouth. And really hotels and never had to deal with that either. Mm-hmm. And, and so they were, you know, they were very much like hospitals are today. You know, right. you want to stay at a roadside hotel, we're the only roadside hotel. Mm-hmm. Now everybody's competing and everybody uses this information everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we actually, in the book, um, we talk about how to calculate the lifetime. We call it the lifetime value of the customer. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, in marketing, we always, there was a famous quote of marketing. Um, one of the big department store person said, you know, and I I only know that fifty percent of my average advertising dollar works. Mm-hmm. The problem is I don't know which fifty percent. <laughs> <laughs> and but now with analytics and statistics, mm-hmm. we can pretty much determine where ninety percent mm-hmm. of it works. And right. we talk about I talk about that in the book. But you're absolutely right. Is that people are competing now? And what mm-hmm. we what we did in the book was we traced how did the hospitality industry develop mm-hmm. to create great customer experiences right. and we go back to the really the founding of holiday inn right i hadn't realized they were the first ones to yes. really say hey this holiday inn is going to look like that holiday inn and you know and we're going to keep track of you so that when you walk in we could say hi dr shoemaker how was your stay in pittsburgh or whatever you know Absolutely. Yeah. And it was really that they had used to have an advertising campaign mm-hmm. saying the best surprise is no surprise. Mm-hmm. Right. You because, knew yeah. what you were getting. You knew exactly. And and so how do we do that in, in hospitality? And then how does that translate into healthcare? Mm-hmm. And what we found in our in our research, what we did is we 
we again, we asked, I think around 21 attributes mm-hmm. to say, how important is this in your decision okay. to, um, or how important is this in, in deciding whether or not you got a great experience? Mm-hmm. And then how well did um, each of the, the healthcare, the doctor, mm-hmm. the walk-in clinic, the right. hotel, restaurant, how did they, how well did they okay. perform mm-hmm. on that attribute? So it was importance versus performance. Mm-hmm. And we came up with what we called the hospitality deficit. Mm-hmm. In other words, where did where was healthcare lacking? Mm-hmm. And the very first one we had was knowledge and understanding of the cost of service provided. Ah, so the biggie, so mm-hmm. a biggie. When we go to a hotel or a restaurant, we have a pretty good idea what it's going right. to cost. Healthcare, no idea. We had, and, and you could be off by thousands of dollars. Yes. <laughs> We have things like the, you know, the invoice, the bill I receive is easy mm-hmm. to understand. Mm-hmm. I know how much I have to pay for the service before I receive mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, we we don't we're not very good at that in healthcare. Right. But we need because now you know laws are passed that we have to mm-hmm. have transparency in pricing. Mm-hmm. But what we need to think about is how do we make sure our guests, our customers, our loved family members know in advance mm-hmm. what it's typically going to cost. Mm-hmm. The second thing we found, the second deficit was customer appreciation, right? Mm. The provider pro- mm-hmm. appreciates my business. In healthcare, we haven't been very good about saying, thank you for coming hey. to visit us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of like name, insurance card, record number, date of birth. <laughs> and then after the procedure, check out there and mm-hmm. make sure you have your checkbook. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Or they have a big sign that says, pay before you come in. Mm-hmm. Right? The third deficit was the reception, right? Yeah. The arrival experience is mm-hmm. welcoming. Not often, um, you know, the arrival environment is welcoming. You know, the people that interact would make me feel like I'm welcome. Mm-hmm. And in, in hospitality, we've done a great job, right? Mm-hmm. You walk into the a lobby and there's somebody with a staff that welcomes mm-hmm. you. They oh, hand me a bottle of water. Mm-hmm. Exactly, but it doesn't happen very often mm-hmm. in healthcare, but mm-hmm. it could, right? Right. Um, and then we found another one, which was the service logistics. Mm-hmm. I can make an appointment when I want to make an appointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, the check-in process is easy. Mm-hmm. Healthcare, we have not done that very well. Mm-hmm. And when I talk to healthcare people, they say, oh, well, we can't do it because of this rule, this rule, right. that rule. Mm-hmm. But there are ways that, that we can work around mm-hmm. all that. And then the final was... Um, really the service assessment. It's mm-hmm. easy to resolve a disp- dispute if I have one. Mm-hmm. Um, the problems, the provider tries to make me feel satisfied with the service I mm-hmm. receive. Um, you know, I express dissatisfaction. I'm unhappy with the service I receive. Mm-hmm. We don't do that very much in healthcare. Right. Not to the or doctor. if we do, it seems like they don't care. Exactly. Exactly. So we said, okay, we've got these deficits. Mm-hmm. Look at, we were hospitality people. We did mm-hmm. all this research. Can we come up with a way that we think addresses these mm-hmm. issues? And again, for you know, for the listener who's still with us who's not in healthcare, think about what I'm going to tell you in terms of your own business. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it so is very applicable. It's very applicable. Mm-hmm. So we came up with what we called the payer model. Mm-hmm. Now in healthcare. Um, we talk about payers, mm-hmm. right? It's usually, is it the insurance company right. or is it the person, the mm-hmm. user? 
So, but we look at these these five components as really being the basis mm-hmm. of what drives great experience. Mm-hmm. And and the first was was preparation. Mm-hmm. The first P is for preparation. We prepare in hospitality for the person's visit. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? We know in advance when they're coming because they've made their reservation. Right. We often receive before we come, we often receive an email like a couple of weeks before mm-hmm. saying we're looking forward to your stay. Here's your confirmation mm-hmm. number. Here's what hap- here's what's happening in the hotel mm-hmm. at the time or the restaurant, right? We we really prepare. Mm-hmm. But we also prepare logistically mm-hmm. so that we know that at a given time we're gonna have X number of people checking in. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure we staff appropriately. Right. Right. And so so the preparation becomes critical. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier about loyalty, loyalty programs. You know, loyalty programs are a way that allow us to understand who's coming to the hotel mm-hmm. or the restaurant. How often have they been here before? Mm-hmm. Uh, what t- do they typically order while they're there so we can mm-hmm. ha- make sure we have it when they right. come? And and so the loyalty always helps us with preparation. Mm-hmm. And, and we believe that in healthcare, the loyalty programs can work also because mm-hmm. there's many people who are t- taking the same procedures on mm-hmm. a regular basis or they have to go back on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Why should the person who's loyal and goes all the time, why can't they have a separate line where they can just walk right. in? Yeah, I just, and and I'm one of those. I go into my oncologist and, and um, I had shared with you that I was diagnosed with stage four cancer back in 2015. So I'm, I'm a perpetual patient. I go yeah. into my oncologist every three weeks for treatment. So why do I have to stand in line? Why do I have to fill out the forms? Now, my oncologist is actually very good. The, there is one person who's been there long enough that she calls me by name and she, and, and she sees me walk in and she says, hello, I have you checked in. So I never go up to the front desk. That is very rare. <laughs> right. And, and it should happen. It should happen on, on a regular basis. Right. And, yeah, because I'm and there so every three weeks, really. And and let's be honest, I'm so memorable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I think that's and that's part of and what we found is important is that they want to be treated like a love family member, right? right? Mm-hmm. So if you're a love family member and you're coming back all the time, you're not have to wait in line, mm-hmm. right? And and all of that. And so and and what and part of the you know the thing is is that when we talk about loyalty and we talk about this, what's really important to remember is everybody gets the same level of care, mm-hmm. the same level of service. Right. So it's not like you're getting better service because you're a regular mm-hmm. customer. It's more that we're making it easier for you. Mm-hmm. And again, it's putting the mind in the mind of the of the employee. Mm-hmm. So if I'm an employee and I have 20 people in line, mm-hmm. I'm going to be very matter of fact and short. Right. Just You're going to get them through as fast as possible. As mm-hmm. fast as possible. But if I have a loyal customer like yourself who's mm-hmm. been here many times, they can step out of the line. Mm-hmm. And now that gives me more time to spend with the person who's right. visiting the first mm-hmm. time. And so that preparation really becomes really mm-hmm. critical. The second thing we came up with was anticipation, mm-hmm. right? Because services are intangible, even when we go on vacation or when mm-hmm. we go on a, to a restaurant, we're always nervous about, is it going to be great, right? right? Like I'm on a year contract. Mm-hmm. So I, like most people, I have two weeks vacation a year. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I'm taking this week off. It's If it's bad, right. I've wasted 
Mm-hmm. So I'm nervous, right? Um, mm-hmm. I have all this, and I'm a warrior. So my anticipation mm-hmm. is not going to be how great it's going to be. It's mm-hmm. going to be, oh my gosh, it's going to what's going to go wrong, mm-hmm. right? So in hospitality, and oftentimes that anticipation happens one because we haven't reminded the person, hey, mm-hmm. we're coming, we're looking forward to your visit. But the anticipation also happens when we initially walk into the property, mm-hmm. right? So if we walk into the property. And we see a clean area. Mm-hmm. We see it very calm. Mm-hmm. There's nice music. There's great colors. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, like, oh, this is calming. This is what right. it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, funny story about McDonald's. Um, one of the reasons McDonald's became so successful was not so much at the speed of their hamburgers, mm-hmm. but their restrooms were clean. Mm-hmm. So mom could take the kids. Right. Food, but the restrooms were clean. And the mm-hmm. whole experience was judged mm-hmm. by the cleanliness right. of the restroom. Mm-hmm. And so that anticipation is a lot about the atmospherics. Mm-hmm. And what we, you know, in the book, we have a whole chapter on what hospitality has done to create mm-hmm. this great sense of anticipation, mm-hmm. where we have a color chart, where mm-hmm. yellow is, you know, wake up and get going. You know, mm-hmm. darker colors tend to be more for subdued for mm-hmm. the evening. And so what kind of colors are we using in the area? that create a real sense of, mm-hmm. of calm, right? Like, well, kind of, how do we have the layout mm-hmm. of the chairs? Mm-hmm. All of that, which in the book we call service scape. Mm-hmm. And that's really based on, mm-hmm. you know, academic research. Right. So that's the anticipation. Well, and from the, the, the hospital perspective or, or medical, sometimes it's just, what am I expecting? You know, yes. what, what's going to happen? Um, obviously, you can't provide all of that in advance, but you know, in, in your example of the the gentleman in the book who had the colonoscopy, he really didn't know what to expect. You know, and and it's so easy anymore with technology to provide that. Um, you know, and and uh, to be able to say, here's you know, here's here's what's going to happen as you get there, and it could be something like we're going to check you in. We promise that you'll only be in the waiting room for as small amount of time as possible. You know, emergencies happen. Um, and then you'll be seen by X doctor. You will talk to the anesthesiologist. You know, your your treatment should take X number. You know, all of those various things because we don't know, you know. And, and so, of course, what happens is we work ourselves. We're, we're warriors when it comes to this, like you said. And so we kind of work ourselves up before we ever get there. Because nobody's told us what to expect. Right. And what's great is I have a dear friend who um, is very involved with um, art, artificial, not, not artificial, art, augmented reality. Ah. And so she basically worked with software companies mm-hmm. that taught surgeons how to do, you know, procedures. Oh, cool. Not on patients, but, you know, right. doing uh-huh. mm-hmm. And what we've been talking about is how do we create those same kinds of things for customers mm-hmm. so oh you're going to go in for a procedure here put this video on mm-hmm. 3d right. and everything that's going to happen to you comes together mm-hmm. so we see a lot of that changing how ah, how things work mm-hmm. and for the listener you know we'll, we'll give you email addresses and you can talk to mm-hmm. some of these people about some of the stuff they're doing mm-hmm. so that's anticipation and then what we've done great in engagement in hospitality mm-hmm. is is you know kind of the famous Rich Carlton rule was mm-hmm. when you're 10 feet away, I'm going to make eye contact. Mm-hmm. If you're five feet away, I'm going to acknowledge you and, mm-hmm. and sort of smile. Mm-hmm. And then when you get close, I'm going to talk to you. And right. if you need to go somewhere, I don't point you, mm-hmm. but I 
walk with you. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, one of my friends at the um, worked at the Beverly Hills Hotel. He managed mm-hmm. the Beverly Hills Hotel. And and he had um, what he called 14 words. And he, he taught all his employees mm-hmm. that they should know what these 14 words are. And um, and I'm going to read them to you right now. Mm-hmm. And all his employees, he said that in order, and this was Ed Mady, mm-hmm. and he was at the time the regional director for the Dorchester Hotel. Okay. And Dorchester Collection is very high end, mm-hmm. and this was located in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. And he said the 14 key words for all employees were remember me, recognize me, anticipate my needs, give me what I want on time. Mm-hmm. And he said, with those 14 words, you can provide incredible customer service. Mm-hmm. Um, what we did when I worked for MD Anderson, um, we came up with what we called Anderson Care. Mm-hmm. And each letter. Right. You a, made Anderson an acronym. Mm-hmm. An acronym. So the A became acknowledge. Mm-hmm. The N became nod. Mm-hmm. And for each letter. We had something that the staff could do that would help them engage. Mm-hmm. And in the employee areas and behind the front desks mm-hmm. of all the areas, we had them all laid out. Mm-hmm. So the employee could always remember Anderson Care. I had to do at least a couple of those. Mm-hmm. Right. And then that would that would get us away from saying record number, insurance card, mm-hmm. name, without even right. looking up. You're probably still going to ask. In fact, you should ask for that, right? Yes. You know, even though right. you, I've seen you, you know, I still need to make sure you're the right person just in case there's been something that's gone wrong. Yeah, exactly. So that was the engagement and mm-hmm. and really focusing on to how we engage. And mm-hmm. and what's interesting about what we found in the book and, and what we found at MD Anderson was that I was asked by this other major hospital system in um, Houston, mm-hmm. the board head of the board of directors said to me, what made MD Anderson so successful Right. after all these years? Mm-hmm. And I said, the reason was, is because it was not a top-down decision on how we're going to implement the payer model. Mm-hmm. It came from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. And the example I gave was, when and this relates to engagement, mm-hmm. when we talked to the to the doctors, mm-hmm. they said, "Well, because we were working in the division of radiology, mm-hmm. they said, well, you know, everything really depends on what the technicians do mm-hmm. in terms of the read." Right. So I go down to talk to what I thought were the technicians, mm-hmm. and I said right off in the focus group was technicians. What do mm-hmm. you think about? It? And they went crazy. And they said <laughs> technicians. Fixed toaster ovens were technologists. Ah. And so I realized that, you know, we needed to really think about mm-hmm. from the staff who were delivering mm-hmm. everything, how were we engaging mm-hmm. with them? How did they think about things? And mm-hmm. one of my favorite books was Cider House Rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he who makes the rules doesn't live in the cider house. Mm-hmm. So we got the employees to come up with how do we implement the payer model? Right. We didn't call it the payer model at the time, but mm-hmm. the fundamentals there. And that engagement, and we changed how we talk to patients, mm-hmm. which we really, and we changed that engagement, not calling them patients, but love family members. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and I love in there too, one of the things you talk about at this level is signage. Right. How yeah. many times have we gone into where and gotten lost? Now, I loved there for a long time. 
hospitals did the the things on the the, the floor, right? You followed yes. the blue line if you were going here, you followed the red line, all those things. And and a lot of hospitals still do that. But you know, I had to have a CAT scan earlier this year. And so I went to a facility that I'd not been at before. So I didn't know where I was going. Now I'm one of those people, if I if I haven't been there, I give myself plenty of get lost time. You know, because I know I'm, you know, and and I'm in Atlanta, so you have to build in traffic time, all of those things. So my phone in my my chart app had told me you go to you park here, which was right. You go in the front door, which was right, and you go to this room. That was not it. So, you know, I go to that first room and they go to check me in and we stand there and chit chat for a little bit. And they said, Oh, you're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be an ex. So I trot my little self down the hall and same thing. Hi, how are you? And they were very polite. I mean, you know, we didn't have, and they made eye contact, all those good things. You're not supposed to be here. Here's, and I'm thinking, it's a CAT scan. <laughs> you know? So I go to the third place. Exact same thing happens. And I looked at him and I said, do y'all not? I said, I'm, I'm confused here. A CAT scan is a big machine that lives in one place in the hospital. Do you not know where your CAT scan room is? And, and they kind of looked at me and they, you know, and, and they said, because I said, this is the third place I've been to. So I get to the fourth place, which happened to be the CAT scan room. Right. Um, And, but I told him, I said, you guys are the best kept secret in the, in this whole hospital. I said, you, you, I, I took me four tries to get there. And they looked at me and I said, there's no signage anywhere in this building until right when I got there that said CT room. Right. And, you know, and, and, and it was just so bizarre because it's like, okay, this this is not something that moves around the hospital. Why? And and the funny thing was at the information desk, they didn't know where to tell me to go. Yeah. And and it was like, seriously, this is the CAT scan room. <laughs> you know? It's yeah. kind of like the cafeteria. It doesn't move. Um, you know, and 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 you know, I found the right place, was happy and and all that good stuff, but it really did. It, it, that's what I remember of this whole test yeah. was that nobody knew where the CAT scan room was. And that that really comes down to, again, not telling the employees. A famous right. story, there was a gentleman, a good friend of mine named Michael Levin. Mm-hmm. And Mike was chairman and president of Holiday Incorporation. Mm-hmm. And when he was early in his career, he was going to a Holiday Inn and there mm-hmm. was a, he was getting some award. Mm-hmm. And out front, there was a big sign that said, welcome, Mike Levin, you know, industry person of the year. Mm-hmm. He goes up to the front desk uh-huh. and he says, person says, do you have a reservation? <laughs> I'm Mike Levin. And he goes, okay, let me look, Levin. And he goes, yeah, I'm your boss. <laughs> he goes, um, Mike says to the guy, he goes, well, you know, there's a big sign out front welcoming me. And the employee says, oh, I don't know. I came in the back door. Yeah. Or I don't do the sign. <laughs> right. And so again, we don't tell our employees stuff, mm-hmm. right? right? We come up with ideas mm-hmm. and we get pushed down mm-hmm. instead of pushed up. Right. And signage is a prime example because mm-hmm. we all know our way around. Mm-hmm. And what I always recommend is what I did with the hospitality industry was I said, as an employee, mm-hmm. come in the front door. Right. Go into the door. Always see in. what that first impression is. And take a look at it through the eyes mm-hmm. of, of your customer. Mm-hmm. So then we talk about evaluation. Mm-hmm. How do we evaluate, right? Mm-hmm. We've all stayed in a hotel, going to a restaurant. We're not even home, mm-hmm. and we get the survey, right? Mm-hmm. right. How was our stay? What did you mm-hmm. like about it? What mm-hmm. didn't you like about it? 
And, and so we really recommend evaluation. And mm-hmm. there's many companies nowadays, companies like Qualtrics, mm-hmm. um, Medallia, that basically do a lot of consumer research. Mm-hmm. And they'll go in and they'll search all the comments on the web mm-hmm. to find out what people are saying. Mm-hmm. But they also send out and send out surveys. And we have really one um, one great question that that we ask mm-hmm. that we recommend everybody asks. Mm-hmm. And we've been doing this in hospitality for a long time. Mm-hmm. The question says, please indicate if you reported any problems during your visit. And if so, how they were resolved. Ah. And basically, the, the options were had no problem, mm-hmm. had a problem and reported it, mm-hmm. had a problem, reported it, it was resolved in a friendly manner, mm-hmm. had a problem, reported it, and it was not resolved in a mm-hmm. friendly manner. And you probably can't see this on your mm-hmm. on It's screen. a great little flow chart. Mm-hmm. It's a great little flow chart. It basically says, okay, what percentage of our guests, family mm-hmm. members, didn't have a problem? Mm-hmm. What percent actually had a problem, mm-hmm. and how was that handled? Right. And then, and I was doing some work in a hospitality company. The marketing people said, "Oh, people love us. Everybody tells us they right. love us. We have no problems." Mm-hmm. We asked this one question, and we turned out that like ten percent of the people had a problem. Uh oh. And ten percent that had a problem, mm-hmm. only half of them actually reported it. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And the people that reported it, only thirty percent, actually seventy percent felt it was solved in a friendly manner. Thirty mm-hmm. percent said it didn't. Mm-hmm. And so then also we began to change our whole operations, mm-hmm. asking this question, and then we could see, okay, well, people are having a problem but they aren't reporting it. Why mm-hmm. not? Right. But yeah. Do they feel report- like they can? Yes. And so we really recommend that by evaluating because it shows you care. Mm -hmm. There's a great book, and I can't remember the author's name, called A Complaint is a Gift. Ah. And the idea is that if we're complaining, Mm -hmm. we're basically saying what we want. Mm -hmm. So if we listen to the complaint, Mm -hmm. oh, they didn't get X. Now, in the future, we can do Mm -hmm. X. Right. So that evaluation and one of the things that we that I work with hospitals that I've been working with all the time and certainly with all the hotel companies mm-hmm. I've worked with or hospitality firms as managers, how often do you go and talk to an employee and say, mm-hmm. hey, tell me, what are our guests saying about us? Mm-hmm. Are they are, what kind of complaints are you hearing? Right. Because our people who are on the front line hear mm-hmm. all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And if we're not asking them, mm-hmm. they forget to tell us. Right. They just or they think go. they can't. I mean, they're thinking, hey, yeah. if I if I complain, I might be out the door. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because we've all worked for bosses who don't like to hear complaints. So mm-hmm. there are no complaints. Right. But so that that goes to the culture mm-hmm. of evaluation. Mm-hmm. And and so we think that that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course we talk about reward. Right. How do we reward and how do we thank the patient? How do we get frequent flyer miles? Right. Yeah. How do we? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. How do we keep? And But the reward is not so much. Basically, what we do with loyalty programs is we basically pay the customer mm-hmm. to give us their data, mm-hmm. their purchase behavior. Right. So we can use that information mm-hmm. to improve their overall visit. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, yes, I'll tell you 
I'll sign up for the program. You right. give me points. Mm-hmm. I change those points for airline miles. Mm-hmm. But now I'm tracking my behavior. Mm-hmm. So when I go in and order, oh, Dr. Shoemaker, it's great to have you back here mm-hmm. at the La Quinta. Mm-hmm. We know that you'd like this type of room. So we've given it to you. We've and already we put, put in, you in the king. or mm-hmm. and We put in the extra pillows that mm-hmm. you always ask for. Mm-hmm. Right. And 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 that's that's critical. So mm-hmm. and then the reward also helps us justify um, why we're doing the things we do. Right. Mm-hmm. Like anybody who works in an organization, our CFO, our chief financial officer, mm-hmm. call them really Dr. No. Mm-hmm. Right. Is anything we want to ask for? They say, nope, nope, right. nope. Mm-hmm. Marketing, we have all these great ideas, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we go to the finance, they say no. Right. Well, in the book, we talk about, well, how do we calculate the lifetime value of the customer? Mm-hmm. How do we calculate the value of that customer if they don't defect? Mm-hmm. So then when we go to the finance, we can say, we've done this analysis. Mm-hmm. This is how much more money we'll save by keeping our loyal customers. Mm-hmm. And and then we think that's a good thing. Right. So, so how do you is, do that in healthcare, though? That seems kind of odd. Well, it's very simple in terms of healthcare. One, think about it. Think about the mom who goes to the hospital for X. Mm-hmm. If they have a great experience, mm-hmm. they're going to send their husband to the hospital. Right. They're going to bring their. They're going to tell their friends. They're going to tell their friends. Mm-hmm. They're going to bring their their kids. Mm-hmm. Right. So we in hospitals we offer multiple service lines. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we can look and say, okay, what percentage of our moms who have a great who have a great experience mm-hmm. bring their kids in for the yearly physical? Mm-hmm. Right. All those kinds of things mm-hmm. really it's a way to calculate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we think it makes a lot of sense. And mm-hmm. what we're finding is that, you know, you had mentioned earlier competition. I, I live in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. I was driving to work this morning, listening to CNN. Mm-hmm. And or Fox, I can't remember which one. Mm-hmm. And because I listened to everything. And all of a sudden I heard an ad for Florida cancer hospitals uh-huh. in Florida. Right. Right. And you're in so Las Vegas. People, and I'm in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. right? So we're advertising mm-hmm. to get people to travel mm-hmm. to places right. we want to go. And MD right? Anderson is obviously one of those that advertises. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so you would I would become a member of the MD Anderson network. Mm-hmm. And every time I go and visit them, I earn some kind of mm-hmm. points. And the points don't have to be free hotel rooms. Right. But they could be making it easier for my stay, mm-hmm. maybe giving me a direct line that I right. can call to make an appointment, mm-hmm. maybe all the kinds of things. Oh, you mean I could awesome. call my doctor and speak to a person before I have yeah. to poke 900 different things and then have it hang up on me? We believe, yeah, absolutely. We believe that that's that's mm-hmm. really the future. And what what's interesting in in, in another study I recently completed, um, people are willing to be, give their name and create loyalty, create points for doing the things they're supposed to do to remain healthy. Right. And so what we would do is instead of having a everybody, but not many many companies mm-hmm. provide health savings accounts. Mm-hmm. Right. But what if you had a health vacation account where you do your way in, Mm -hmm. you take your medicine and you earn points for Mm -hmm. vacation. And then when you go on vacation, you get Mm -hmm. a discount on hotel rooms, airfare, Mm -hmm. et cetera, because you've earned all these vacation Mm -hmm. points. And what we found in this research were people were very much willing to do that. And some Mm -hmm. of the major healthcare companies Mm -hmm. that I did, Mm -hmm. I did this for a friend of mine. 
he's working with many of the big insurance providers mm -hmm. because they're trying to lower healthcare costs. Right. So they're rewarding yeah. behavior. My my insurance does that. Um, where if you do your annual tests and you get a, you know, your annual checkups and get a flu shot and all of those various things, I mean, they actually send gift cards. Um, yeah. You know, and 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 it, it's you know, because people think, oh my god, they're spending fifty dollars or whatever on every patient. Yeah, but if they or every insured. But what they're doing is hopefully in the long run saving because yeah. they caught something early. You know, somebody didn't get sick or sicker. I mean, all those things. And so that $50 is is more like an investment. Exactly. And I actually, you know, was given a scale by my health insurance. But ah. the scale's broken because it keeps just adding weight to right. it instead of reducing weight. So I <laughs> yeah, oh, bummer. <laughs> but, but the point is, is that it brings up to your question mm -hmm. that, yes, healthcare can do that mm -hmm. because they are doing it. Mm -hmm. And why it's easy to say, oh no, we're healthcare, we would never do that. Mm -hmm. The reality is people like that and right. it will change behavior. Mm -hmm. uh, and so so for the, again, for the listener who is still with us who may not be in healthcare, mm -hmm. think about your own business right. and think about how are we preparing, mm -hmm. how are we anticipating, mm -hmm. how are we engaging, mm -hmm. how are we evaluating, and how are we mm -hmm. rewarding mm -hmm. the patient or yeah. our customer. Right. You know, I, I mentioned the little coffee shop that I was in today um, and it is a one. I mean, it's you know not any part of a franchise or anything like that. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm there making my order and and she was very nice, very polite. Um, you know, how are you doing all those things that, you know, you, you just love to hear. And then the, the gentleman behind me gets ready to step up. She calls him by his first name and she says, we've already got your order in process. Now, clearly he went, you know, probably every day there and, and, and he ordered just plain old coffee. It wasn't, you know, this was not anything where he was getting the mocha frappuccino with caramel sprinkles and no, you know, all of that stuff. He just wanted coffee, but they had it for him. And, and so what happened was, you know, he, he stepped up. He paid, he chatted with them, you know, because, you know, they, they obviously knew each other, but he didn't have to give his order. Now they did say, Do, would you like anything else? You know, just like any good customer service yeah. person does, or, you know, they could have even said something like, you know, Hey, we have a new batch of the cookies that you like, or, you know, something like that, but they already had his order in process. Um, yes. And, you know, and so <laughs> the funny thing was he actually got his before me, Um you know, because they they had, you know, the second they saw him walk in, they had had started that. But it was very impressive, um, you know, that they had done that. And and I did. I thought, wow, this is this is really pretty cool that they recognize this man. And, you know, and they all called him by first name. He called them by first name. And so, you know, he, he clearly was a regular. But, yeah, it's not that hard to do that, um, to, to be right. able to, to just, you know, hey, you know, it's and and like I said, I go to my oncologist every three weeks. There are certain things that they could ask me every single time, you know, yeah. that that would be great. Yeah. And, I th and again, what's great about it, it's it's simple, mm -hmm. but it does take commitment. Mm -hmm. And right. people who work in healthcare are committed. Otherwise, mm -hmm. they wouldn't be working in right. healthcare. Mm -hmm. And I think it's it's uh, for us as mm -hmm. managers and, and leaders. Mm -hmm is to really get mm -hmm. their opinions. And mm -hmm. I'll do a quick story because I know we're running near the end. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that happens in, in cancer, as you know, you get your, you go in, you check in, you're given your contrast, mm -hmm. which is a way they can identify, mm -hmm. take right. x-ray. 
Then you're taken to another room Mm -hmm. where you wait until your scan's available. Mm -hmm. And what we found was that people were put in this waiting room Mm -hmm. and no one paid attention because everybody thought. You're like, hello. (laughs) So what the the nurses came up with, Mm -hmm. they came up with this great idea. It said, Mm -hmm. we're going to buy a 30 minute sand timer. Mm-hmm. And each person is going to be responsible for their 30 minutes to walk all the way around ah. and make sure they talk to everybody. Mm-hmm. How you do it. So we're, how we do it. Mm-hmm. And so we did that. They came up with this great idea. And then on the very first day, I called in because we did a test, pre-test mm-hmm. to make sure this worked. I called down to the nurse's station and they said, oh, Dr. Schumacher, you wouldn't believe what happened. Someone dropped a sand timer. <laughs> and I was like. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. But she said, don't worry. One of the nurse, other staff members on their break ran out to Target and bought a new one. Wow. And that really showed that by mm-hmm. having them engaged at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Right. They had bought up, into it, literally. They had bought, they had, yeah, they had bought into it. And I think that's the one of the things to mm-hmm. take away is right. it's great to have a payer model, mm-hmm. but it has to be driven by employees. Right. Yeah. It has to if, be if an office them. manager said, you will do this. They're going to be like, we got other things to do. Do you not understand everything we have to do every day, right? But when they said, hey, you know, there's this pretty simple way that we can do this, it it works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, so that was that was really exciting. And Mm -hmm. and as I said, you know, the I really hope that the reader will 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 read Mm -hmm. the book no matter what industry they're in. Mm substitute patient mm-hmm. love family member right with own. whatever it is that you know that you call the person who who is hopefully giving you money <laughs> right and we talk about how are we really preparing for them mm-hmm. how are they anticipating mm-hmm. their needs how are we mm-hmm. engaging right how are we rewarding mm-hmm. and and evaluating and mm-hmm. suddenly i think you can provide incredible right. customers mm-hmm. and again it's not just for the high-end payer mm-hmm. the self-payer Mm-hmm. But it's for the La Quinta, the Hampton mm-hmm. Inns, the Holiday right. Inns, mm-hmm. the Medicare patients. Mm-hmm. We everybody deserves an incredible mm-hmm. level of service, right. and we believe we put up the techniques mm-hmm. in place to make that happen. Right, so and and they so. are they're simple processes that are easy to implement to to right. everyone. Um, you know, I I I hit the two million dollar mark on my treatment a while ago. Um, you know, and, and, but I should be treated the exact same way, you know, at, at least initially as the person who is in there and they're thinking, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to pay, um, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, but, but yeah, it's, and it, it is, it, it's, it, it is those simple things, smiling at people, acknowledging them, uh, you right. know, and, and um, I'll, I'll share a quick story. You know, we talked about timeliness. Now it's always tricky in doctor's offices because, you know, the ones that I really like are the ones that stay on schedule. Right. But, you know, I had called, I knew I was going to be late for, for one of my oncology appointments. And so I called to say, Hey, I'm running about 10 minutes late. And she, and I could tell the person that I was speaking to, which took me a while to even get through to a person. Now I've learned there's some tricks, right? I know the tricks Mm -hmm. to get to an actual person after all this time, I know how to do this, but she was getting ready to say, we're going to reschedule you. And I said, before you tell me that I can't be late, I have been coming here for at that point, seven years, every 21 days, and I have never been seen on time. And so for me to run 10 minutes late, I know you're still going to see me at least 30 minutes later than that. And she laughed and she said, we'll see you when you get here. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, you know, it's just simple things like that 
where you know, and and granted, that is why schedules get off is you have people that, but you know, I had took the time to call to say, hey, I'm running a little bit late, so then they can juggle. You know, they can take the person after me ahead. I mean, all sorts of things like that. Um, but it's just like you know, when when I walk, in, and it's really funny as we were sitting here chatting. Um, IHG, which is the Holiday Inn line that has all of those, sent me a thing on my phone saying, have you booked a fall vacation yet? Um, Because I'm one of their loyalty members. I mean, you know, it was just kind of one of those things. So why can't we be saying, and and some, some do, do you, have you scheduled your flu shot? Have you had your annual visit? You know, all of those things just to kind of remind us to do those. Yes. And that's, that's all the preparation, right? Right. And and we should know that in hospitality, mm-hmm. this happens in hospitality, that people, certain people are going to, we talk mm-hmm. about the no-show. Right. What percentage of no-shows mm-hmm. are we getting? Mm-hmm. What percentage of late shows? Mm-hmm. And then we schedule around that. Mm-hmm. So it shouldn't be a surprise. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so that's all the, that's all the stuff. I love that, it. That we well, and, and because we have the technology, I always feel like I'm yeah. talking like the $6 million man, right? You know, we can do this. We have the technology. You know, any size business can do all of this. They can send out the reminders. They can do all of those various things because, yeah, we're talking Hilton, all of those big providers. They have lots of money. But, yeah, it doesn't matter what size your business is, even if you have to keep track yourself and, yes. you know, and, and do those things. There's there's no excuse, folks, to, to not be implementing all of these great ways to get a customer, a client, a family member and keep them. Um, so, you know, this, this, you know, obviously Dr. Shoemaker, we could go on forever because we just scratched the surface on this. Um, so I'd love to have you back on again, because I think this is, is an absolutely fascinating topic. So we'll, we'll, you know, have to do that, but you know, in the meantime, you know, we'll, we'll have the book in the, in the notes and your email, yeah. but you know, tell us more about what it is, what is the services that you provide? So essentially what what my whole thing is, is helping people, helping companies think strategically mm-hmm. about how to take employees' ideas and put them into certain frameworks, okay. right? Because no one knows their business as well as the person who's running their business. Mm-hmm. So my goal is never to go in and tell you how to do things. Mm-hmm. My goal is to tell you how to think about the things. Mm-hmm. So when an employee says, oh, I have this great idea, mm-hmm. well, how does it fit into the payer model, mm-hmm. right? How do, Let me give you the ideas of frameworks mm-hmm. on how to think about things and then help you imp- figure out how to implement those things. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the work I've done starts with doing a fair amount of consumer mm-hmm. research, you know, doing the analysis of the research, coming up with, with the frameworks of what they're trying to accomplish mm-hmm. and then helping them be successful at their business. Mm-hmm. Um, I've written a lot of articles that I'm happy to share with anybody. We'll mm-hmm. share my email um, and, you know, I can share articles I've written on customer loyalty, on pricing, the article I did for British Airways pricing strategy, but really just helping service operations, helping improve service operations by working with the, the organization, doing what they do best mm-hmm. and helping them think a little differently so they can do it better. Perfect. I love it. Well, as I said, I hope to have you on again. But until then, do you Look, have any that. final thoughts that you want to leave everyone with? But I think I think the thing that I really want people to think about, and I, I've been thinking about this, is that research has shown that healthcare can be offered the same level of service as hospitality. And and what I would like you to think about is to think about 
the payer model that we've discussed throughout the podcast. And how does that podcast, can it be applied to my business? And by applying it to my business, what are the things I need to do to prepare? What are the things I need to do to anticipate? What are the things I need to make sure there's engagement, evaluation, you know, and reward? And think about how that can improve your business. And and then the financial side of that, and I would encourage you, you know, I'll do a self-plug, to buy the book, Hospitable Healthcare, just with the patient ordered. It's on Amazon. It's also a Kindle version. But it takes you through that whole process of how to think about it with lots of great examples, both from healthcare and hospitality. Perfect. So, I love it. And and I loved reading the book. I thought it was very interesting. And I'd say that even if I wasn't a long-term patient, because I think <laughs> it does have so many tips and techniques that anybody can implement in their business. Well, I'm Deb Creer. I've been having a wonderful discussion with Dr. Stowe Shoemaker. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.